0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. So, Lord, help us pray. Teach us to pray. Open our eyes, uh, as the Scriptures say, that we may see wonderful things from your Word. And as, as the Lord Jesus did to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, open our minds that we may understand the scriptures and unlock our hearts, that part of our spirit, that spirit within us that most directly relates to you, that we may respond to you uh, in, in increased trust and faith and obedience, joyful obedience. And we thank you for these things. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we've said, welcome back to 40 days of prayer. We're in our second kicking off our second week, and um, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot to get our heads around. Uh, you... Um... Uh, You had questions after this first week. The first message I gave last week, uh, after many of you had your first life group session with the video teaching that I did, uh, after you worked your way through the seven uh, mornings or evenings of daily devotionals, some of you had some big questions. In fact, I I imagine that it's pretty widespread because it was a common question. Pastor, he says, "Uh, ask and I'll give you whatever you ask why do I have unanswered prayers? You ever had that? You ever had that? Anybody got that question? There are about five people in here. That usually means 500 have that question. And yes, 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 yes. I've had that question before. Well, there, I've got good news for you. You're, you're going to have even more questions, uh, about prayer as we proceed. But, uh, let me help you with this. I'm going to touch on the, on the answer to that question this morning. Just touch on it. But, um, Prayer is such a big topic. in fact, I, uh, I t- this week in, in my preparation, I typed the word "prayer" into the amazon.com uh, search window, and it pulled up over one hundred thirty six thousand books. I, uh, I typed it into Google and hit search, and it brought up over 132 million—count 'em, million—web pages. Uh, so there's a lot out there. In fact, I have struggled with where to grab hold of this thing just a little bit. I'm, I'm you know, kind of like that as I've told you before—the old proverbial mosquito in a nudist colony. He, he, he knew what to do; he just didn't know where to start. There's too much opportunity. There, I'm, I'm not sure that's the greatest metaphor in church, but uh, anyway, I think I know how the guy felt uh, at, at that point when we talk about, okay, we're going we're gonna to spend a few days on prayer and understand it. But let me, uh, let me encourage you to approach this spiritual growth campaign we're in, these seven weeks together, the worship services and the messages, the, um, uh, the seven life group sessions you have with your group. Uh, the, the, the six full weeks of daily devotionals, uh, that you will have the scripture, the seven passages of scripture that we're going to memorize together. Think about all that for a second, then draw a big circle around it and consider that all big, one big sermon. Uh, we're going to try to unpack as much of this as we can, but it's going to take, it's like a seven week sermon, a seven week lesson, a seven week uh, study uh, together uh, to begin to answer some of the big questions and understandings that we have uh, about prayer and then we 're just going to be getting started so uh, that let's let 's approach it that way i have been um, uh, i have been a minister for 47 years. I think the only guy in the room that did that longer than me is like Jack Smith and J.B. Collinsworth beat me by a year, I think, if I remember. He became a pastor in Louisiana when he was 12 or something like that. Um, almost, almost. I'm not too far off. Um, but forty-seven years of this journey, and I've I've noticed three facts about prayer, and I want to touch base with uh, on those. In your, if you brought your workbook, your forty days of prayer workbook, I hope you do bring it to the worship services. On page thirty-seven, you got a place for sermon notes for this week. If you don't have it, use your bulletin. We've given you a blank note sheet there in your bulletin. But three facts about prayer. Three facts about prayer. Here's the first one. Jot it down. Our Creator, God, our Creator. Hardwired human beings to pray, he made us for prayer. Everybody prays almost everybody on the planet prays. A prayer is a universal urge in the heart and life and soul of human beings. It is worldwide now, not every now not everybody prays to the Lord Jesus Christ, but people pray to something or someone in every culture that we can find, every community on every continent that we can find. Even even some atheists, some of our atheist friends, when they find themselves in a crisis or get bad news, just kind of spontaneously cry out, oh, my God. As fast, the, you know, the, there's, there's something in us that even, just we're hardwired to acknowledge that out there, up there, somewhere, there's someone bigger than me and I'm responsible to them. And we 've got this urge to pray why well it 's part of what the Bible means when it says back over in Genesis uh, chapter two that God created human beings in his image in his image that 's one of the most important truths facing humanity uh, today, certainly in the Western world, is what does it mean to be human and the Bible says, and God says, it means that we are spiritual creatures. He created us in His image. Uh, we are not simply the, the, the most evolved, highest, highly evolved animal on the planet. It's just the result of the process of evolution. No, 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 no. God says uh, human beings are unique. We're the only creatures He created in His image, which means that every human being, therefore, uh, uh, we are to treat with dignity and respect and love every single one, because God does. He, we, we, bear, we are image bearers of God. Part of having that image of God means that we have the capacity. We are spiritual beings. We are physical and spiritual beings. Uh, a lot of definitions, you'll hear people say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm a very spiritual person. I don't know what they mean by that, but the Bible means this. When a spiritual person means that they have been created with the capacity to relate to a living God. We can relate to God. Some people will say, "I don't believe in God, but I'm a spiritual person." Huh? You know, no, no, no you're not. You're some kind of person, but but you, you don't, spirituality means you have the capacity to relate to a living God, whether you want to or not. And that means that, in part, that we pray. He hardwired you to pray with an urge to pray. Animals don't pray. I know many of you love and cherish your dog or your cat. They not they don't pray. So mine does. No, it doesn't. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Worms don't pray. Cows don't pray. Turtles don't pray. Human beings pray. Human beings pray. And uh, it means that we have this ability. Look at this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. The Bible says that God has planted eternity in the heart, in the human heart. Uh, That means, uh, among other things, that He has placed this urge to pray there. Our Creator wired us to pray. Second thing I've learned about prayer is this, we're not very good at it. We generally are not very good at it and we know it. We, we have this, we, this sense that we are inadequate when it comes um, to praying. Even St. Paul, the, the greatest Christian, arguably, who ever lived, follower of Jesus, who ever lived, uh, considered himself a novice when it came to To praying, listen to this. He wrote in Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-six: "We don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray." He considered himself uh, a beginner. The disciples of Jesus—we've mentioned this every week already in this series—in Luke chapter eleven, verse one, asked Jesus for help praying. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished one of his disciples came to him and said, "'Lord, teach us to pray.'" Now, they had seen Jesus do some amazing things. They had witnessed Jesus perform many miracles. They had witnessed Jesus uh, resurrect some people, raise some people from the dead, uh, heal the blind, cast out demons. They had even seen him literally walk upon the Sea of Galilee, yet they never asked Jesus to teach them to do miracles. They had heard the great teaching of Jesus. They were on the, uh, the side of the mountain that day looking down on the Sea of Galilee when he preached the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached. They'd heard him tell the stories, uh, his great parables, they, the greatest teacher, communicator who ever lived. Yet they never ta- asked him, teach us to preach. They said, would you, te- would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray? There is that urge. We don't know uh, enough. And so we must do the very same thing. So our Creator hardwired us to pray. We're not very good at it and we know it. Here's a third thing I've learned. That our frustrations with prayer are caused by our misconceptions, our misunderstandings of the nature of, of prayer. There are many many false ideas about prayer out there. I'm going to mention four big ones. You ready? Four really big misconceptions about prayer. Here's the first one. Number 1, prayer is not a magic wand. It is not a magic wand like your you know, like your Harry Potter it, you know, and we, we wave it and get what we want. Prayer is not a magic bottle that you rub in and God pops out like a genie and says, your wish is my command. He's, he's not uh, like that. Prayer is not a secret incantation that if you say it just right and get the words just right, you can get your way all the time. It, it's not a magic, what you, want, you know, like abracadabra, now you're a better husband. Hocus pocus, give me the promotion. No, it, it, it's, it's not an incantation. Prayer is not a magic wand. Second misconception deals with this. Prayer is not a fire extinguisher. It's not a fire extinguisher that we use only in case of emergencies, like the sign on the wall that says, break the glass and use this only in case of an emergency. Some of us pray only in desperate situations. A hurricane's coming. Let's get the prayers going. Now, when a hurricane's coming, it say, well, shouldn't we pray? Well, of course you should. But we, we don't only pray in times of emergency. You know, we don't treat prayer like a last resort. Well, uh, all we can do now is pray. Oh, has it come to that? You know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'll uh, people with these misconceptions. I'll, i uh, me and the other pastors might visit them in the hospital first time. If I walk in the hospital, now our church is so big, I don't get to everybody. Group leaders, you do it primarily. Our other pastors and our hospital visitation team, our Stephen ministers, all. If I walk in, sometimes people go, oh, "The big guy's here. What's wrong with me? What are they not telling me?" You know, or, or, so, or I say, "Well, I'm going to pray for you now." Are we going to pray? What's wrong? You know, no, 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 no. You just got a hangnail. nail. It's not. Bad thing, you know. We're just, I just please pray for people. You know, prayer is not a last resort. Uh, Third, prayer is not a tug of war with God. You're not having to berate God to get Him to do what you want Him to do. You don't have to wear God down until He does what you wish He would. So, you know, you don't have to beg, please, 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 pretty please, or uh, and, don't, and certainly don't bargain with God. Okay, God, here's the deal. If you, if you will do this, then I'll do that. Listen, he holds all the cards. He does not bargain. You don't bargain with God. Prayer is not a tug of war with God. That's a misconception. And prayer is also, number four, it's not a ritual punishment for your sins. Some of you were raised in a background where t- prayer was treated like that. Sometimes you 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 blew it, you sinned, you confessed it, and you paid for it in part by praying a lot. Okay, uh, say five Hail Marys and three Our Fathers, and and you saw it as, as a, it's something. It's punishment. It's payment for my sin. Prayer is not an act of penance for our sins. Prayer is a privilege. Not a penance. Prayer is a joy, not a punishment. Uh, prayer is a blessing, not payback for something we've done wrong. So, prayer is not a magic wand. It is not a fire extinguisher. It's not a tug of war, and it's not ritual payback for our sins. So, you might be asking, "Well, Pastor, what is it?" Okay, good question. Uh, again, we're gonna we're gonna uh, start like uh, Julie Andrews in Sound of Music did, which we're going to start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Okay, so four foundational, we're not going to deal with the whole, can't get it all in today, but four foundational truths about prayer. Here's the first one. God loves for you to talk with Him about anything. God loves for you to talk with Him about anything. It doesn't even—it doesn't have to be a religious topic. In fact, it, it, there, there are, there's nothing out of bounds with God. You say, well, some, you know, some of the stuff I'm dealing with is kind of ugly. Hey, read the Psalms. Read all 150 of them. Those psalmists poured their hearts out to God with some pretty earthy stuff, pretty rugged stuff, uh, uh, even sinful stuff. But no topic is out of bounds when it comes to conversing with God. He loves to talk with you because if you are interested in something, God's interested in you. You see, God loves you. We sang about the great love of God earlier. He loves you. It'll never run out. It'll never stop. And therefore, if you're interested in something, He's interested in it. Now, when you love someone... This, this will help you in all of your relationships, not just with the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll help you with your marriage. It'll help you with your kids. It'll help you with your parents, with your friends, with your neighbors. If you love someone, then uh, you, are in, you show interest in the things they're interested in. That, that's what love is unselfish. Love is unselfish. And so, ladies, you might not be too interested in college football. Now, I'm not going to go there. Maybe you shouldn't show any interest in that if your husband is, but uh, no, you can. But uh, but but whatever. If someone come, you, you love comes with a one of your children, Dad, I've got this issue. Or hey, I'm really interested in this hobby. Well, part of a loving a loving thing to do is you become interested. You show interest in what your child or your spouse or your friend is interested in. God is interested in you. And what interests you? He enjoys talking with his children. Uh, my youngest daughter, Mary Beth, was was in from Nashville, Tennessee, this weekend, and I had the greatest conversations. I love I talk, love talking to her. Just one of the greatest things that's happened to me in months. Our, my oldest daughter, Leanne, lives just a mile from us. I get to talk with her two or three times a week, and and it's delightful. It's just one of the greatest things to get to talk with your adult children, and. Um, God likes to talk to you like a father. Listen to this, Psalm 103, verse 13. The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who reverence Him. Like a father. Nothing's off limits. Listen to this, First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And we are sure of this, that He will listen to us whenever we ask Him for anything in line with His will. He will listen to us. And if we really know He is listening when we talk to Him and make our request, then we can be sure that He will answer us. So pray. Pray with no fear, no shame, no hesitation. God loves it when you talk to Him. Remember, prayer is a conversation, not a ceremony, not a monologue. It's a conversation. You talk and you listen. You talk and you listen. Uh, Let me give you... a. Uh, an experiment to try in your daily quiet time. Let's say that these next seven days of time alone with God in your journal, that you set aside five minutes to pray, and you take the first four minutes and you talk. Tell Him what's on your heart, tell Him what's on your mind, maybe request, maybe prayers, confession, thanksgiving. Then you take 60 seconds and you begin by saying something like this, God is there anything you want to say to me right now write that write down that question god is there anything you want to say to me right now and then you just be quiet in his presence for 60 seconds now i've never heard audible voices i don't think you will uh, but god speaks to us in in our hearts in our spirits he will bring to mind sometimes in me sometimes he'll bring a bible verse to mind that i need to ponder Sometimes he'll put an idea in my mind that I need to take action on. Sometimes he's not all that chatty. And it's just kind of quiet. And then I move on with my day. But why don't you start that? Learn to listen. Give him time. Don't just be rushing into your day like a bird in a tornado. Take some time to sit in God's presence and and learn to listen. Prayer is a relationship, it's not a ritual. So that's the first big foundational truth. Second one, jot this down. God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. And what I mean by that is you do not have to use flowery words or fancy words. Phrases, contrary to popular belief in America, God was not born in 16th century uh, England and taught to speak by William Shakespeare. God's not from England. He's not from England. Oh, thou great potentate of the universe who wert and art and evermore shall be. I mean, I don't talk to my friends like that. Dost thou? <laughs> no. Now, is there anything wrong or sinful with that? No. No, no, no. But you say, well, I've got to get all these words, and what's that worst, and art, and thou? And... No, no. Sincere and simple. Sincere and simple from the heart. Authentic, real, honest, clear. Listen to this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 5 through 8, and now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who pretend piety by praying publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Truly, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself all alone and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father secretly and your Father who knows your secrets will reward you. Don't recite the same prayer over and over, this means mindlessly, over and over, as the heathen do or unbelievers do, who think prayers are answered only by repeating them again and again. Remember, your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So longer is not stronger. Longer is not stronger. Sincere, simple prayers. Look at this, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him, fully trusting Him. So foundational truths. God loves to talk with you uh, about anything, and He loves it when you do so with simple and sincere prayers. Third foundational truth uh, is this one. God likes to show His grace by answering prayer, he loves to show his grace by answering prayer. Now, over 20 times in the New Testament, we are commanded to ask in prayer, and if you are a follower of Jesus, he will answer. Okay, I'm going to touch on one of your big questions here, so don't miss this. He will answer. Uh, and with every answer, God is showing that he's good, he is a good, good father. Even when the answer is no or wait. Now, you see, most of us, when we say, well, God's not answering my prayers, what we, what we mean is God's not answering yes. God's not doing what I want Him to do. God's not doing what I've asked Him to do. That's usually what, I, you know, I, my default saying I mean by that. It tends to be what we mean by that. But He is always good. He's completely good. He has your best interest at heart. For example, does a does a loving parent give a child everything they ask for? No, no. Does a does a loving grandfather give a, a grandchild everything they ask for? Yeah. Yes, sir. Then, mom and daddy, you can handle that. You can sort that out later on. I'm giving them what. Yes, sir. Mama won't let me. Well, here you can have six more cookies. And uh, yeah. But let's go back to the father, (laughs) a loving father. No, you've heard me tell this story about my dad. It's just one of my favorite stories about him in my relationship with him. So I'm going to repeat it uh, to you. Uh, I always went to, to town with him for his rounds on Saturday mornings. It was a delightful time and seeing him relate. And he's paying bills and drinking coffee and meeting friends and had all these stops to make and would, u- would usually end up stopping by the grocery store to get a few things mom had asked him to pick up. And so I'm six, seven, eight years old, a little guy, and I'm standing by him in the checkout counter. And you know, for when you're that age and that tall, the candy rack is right here. It's like right here. It's, the, it's strategic marketing. And so I'm looking at the Milky Way bars and I tugged on his... Pant leg, and he said, Yes, son, what you need? I said, Daddy, can I have one of those candy bars? He said, No. And he said it just like that, No. And I said, Why not? He said, Not good for you to get everything you want. Get in the truck. (laughs) You know what? It's not good for you to get everything you want. Get in the truck. And we you know, and we don't we just don't always know what's good for us. Even now as a sixty-six year old guy, I don't I don't know what's always best for me, but he does. And he is a good, good father whose love never runs out. And will he not give his children good gifts when they ask him? Look at this Matthew seven, eleven. So if you sinful people Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father uh, give uh, good gifts to those who ask him? He will give good gifts. He will, he, he will do it for lottery, lot of... Re- there are many reasons. He will do it for your protection. He will do it for your correction. He will do it for your direction. When he says no or not yet, and so and he'll do it so that we aren't spoiled. It went, sometimes we might say, and we do say, God, you didn't answer me. And he says back to yes, I did. I said, no. Or I said, wait. I, I've discovered I think there are four legitimate ways God may answer our prayers. Yes, no, wait, and are you kidding? <laughs> I think I'm, I'm looking for that. I think I've got that you, kid, you kidding one found over there. Uh, somewhere. But all of those answers are good answers from a God you can trust. He's not a vending machine that you put your prayer in and get out what you want. So uh, fourth big foundational truth about prayer. You ready? Here's this one. God longs to be close to you. He wants to be close to to you, spend time with you. You know, when you've been away from someone you love for a long time, you can't wait to talk with them. God likes your company. He likes your company. He likes your company. And He's waiting for you to talk with Him. He's not too busy. Listen to this Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Yet the Lord still waits for you to come to Him. Wow, underline that one. Write that one. Down. He waits for you to come to Him. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. Now, some, some of you parents of adult children, sadly, know, know the pain of, a, of, a, of an adult child who will not talk to you. For, for whatever reason, they have currently shut you out of their lives, and that's terribly painful. I wonder if that's how God feels when we don't and won't talk with Him. You know, God has feelings too. One of the things we learn about God from the Scriptures is He is an emotional being. He has feelings too. He longs to be with us. He designed you for a relationship with Him. You were created for His companionship. He chose you to be His child. Look at this. Listen to Him in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. I want you to know me, be close to me, and understand me and enjoy me. I mean, do you feel God's passion for you in those words? It's there. One of the most amazing verses in the Bible is John chapter 15, verse 15. Famous last words of Jesus, part of his last discourse with his 12 disciples before his arrest and subsequent uh, crucifixion. And here's what he said I do not call you servants anymore. I have called you friends. Now, think about that. Here, here's the journey. They met Jesus three years earlier. They just met him. He was their teacher, they were his servant, became his discipleship. But then this journey, relational journey over a three year period, he said, "I no longer call you servants like at the beginning. I call you friends, an incredibly intimate relational term so you can grow from knowing about Jesus to understanding and enjoying being close to Him, a, a relationship that He might even call friendship. What would, what's more important than that? Nothing. Nothing. So, well, pastor, how do I get closer to Jesus? Well, it begins by desiring to and then arranging time to do so. Listen to this, Psalm 25, verse 14. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him. With them alone, He shares the secrets of His promises. And in James chapter 4, verse 8, He says this, Come close to God and God will come close to you. We grow closer to Him like we grow closer to any other person by spending more and more time with them. And so, we're going to learn more about these, how to do this, and the benefits across these seven weeks together. So let me pray for you. First of all, all of you who are already followers of Jesus in this room, most of you, I want to pray a prayer for you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this simple prayer and sincere prayer for everyone in this room who is your follower. I want the people here to know you better I want them to fall in love with you even more I want them to understand you better and enjoy you even more and so I ask that you take the words of this simple and sincere prayer to touch their hearts and help us all to draw closer to you across these seven weeks. Now, as we continue to pray, let me speak to those of you who are not yet Christians. You're not yet a follower of Jesus. You might be asking, well, how do I begin to know and get closer to God? It all begins by you becoming a Christian or being saved or receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, All those terms mean the same thing. Be converted. It begins with that. Let me get really clear. In Jesus Christ, God the Father did something for us we could not do for ourselves. He left heaven and came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus, yet was without sin. And then He went to the cross innocently in our place because of our sin and took upon Himself the burden and the guilt of our own sinfulness, yours and mine, and atoned for it. Paid the price fully for our uh, sin and uh, satisfying his very own demands of justice so that you and I would not have to do so. And then he rose from the dead, resurrected, proving that he was who he claimed to be and had the power to do this very thing that we are describing, the power to forgive our sin to redeem us, to rescue us, uh, to uh, adopt us into His family, to give us the gift of new and eternal life. Now, some of you are hearing this for the first time clearly and you're thinking, wow, I need to think more about this. Good. You just keep coming back and we'll keep explaining it. Others of you, you are ready. You're ready to turn from your sin and give up control of your life, turn from your self-directed, self-centered life and turn to Jesus for your salvation and receive His gift of eternal life. And if you do, you're about to be transformed by the amazing grace of Christ. And I want to help you do that. If that's you and you'd say, Pastor, that's me, I'm ready. After all this time, I'm ready then I want to pray for you. Now remember, as I said, prayer is not an incantation or magic wand. Uh, God's more concerned with the attitude of your heart than He is the words of your mouth. And so, repeat this prayer, if this expresses your desire, to Jesus after me. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I open the door of my life and I ask you to come in as my Savior and forgive and cleanse me. And I ask you to come in as my Lord and my God and take control of me. Thank you for forgiving my sins and for giving me new and eternal life. Now I commit to serve you as you give me strength for the rest of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. Now there's one more thing. Once we repent of our sin and place our faith in Jesus, He commands us, the next step of obedience, to go public with our faith by confessing Him before men. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Therefore, everyone who confesses Me before men, I will also confess him before My Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies Me before men, I will also deny him before My Father who is in heaven. And Jesus even instituted the method for us to confess Him before men. It's called baptism. Christian Baptism, Believer's Baptism, and we are ready to help you celebrate your Christian Baptism and go public, public with your personal faith in Christ this morning. Uh, as soon as the service is over, here's what I want you to do. Go right out these doors to my right and your left, across the lobby, out onto the patio and turn to the right and you'll find yourself in our outdoor baptism area. Right now, already, the men and women on our baptism team are there waiting for you, fully prepared to help you celebrate your baptism. We have uh, uh, areas to change your clothes. We have towels. We have a change of clothes for you. Uh, People there ready to assist you. Uh, as you celebrate your Christian baptism. So do that. If you've never done that, that's a next step for you if you're a follower of Jesus. Whether you just came to faith in Christ or you did so uh, 10 minutes ago, 10 years ago, uh, long time ago, follow Him as an act of obedience. People do that every week after our services here. We want you to join. Others of you, if you have made spiritual commitments, let me know by checking the appropriate statement or writing a note to me on your Dogwood response card that you found in your bulletin. And if you'll turn that in, uh, we have materials prepared to drop in the mail to you to help you with your next steps of spiritual growth. Uh, We'll pray for you. Uh, We will make available to you the option of spiritual coaching from our pastors and other leaders, uh, spiritual leaders on our church team uh, to help you with your next steps. You be sure to do that. Let's pray. Lord, we want to learn to speak to you and we want to learn to hear you speak to us. And we thank you for these things. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.